Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. I am very excited. We got Corey rejoining us. We got a brand new face, Nick, joining us as well. And of course, Sean's here every day too, so I can't forget him. I do want to let everybody know while I am excited to have these guests on, y'all should be excited too. Like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff so you get your emails in the morning whenever we go live, which is of course every day. If you have any thoughts, questions, comments, anything at all, by all means, put them up in the comment section. And I would say, like, Winterstorm right here, but Winterstorm is here, so he can't comment. <laughs> Good <laughs> so, morning, team. There you go. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, today, we are going to be talking about taking action. And I'm very excited to do that. But before we get into the conversation, I want to get an intro in from both Corey and Nick, because it has been a little while. So let's start with Corey. And then uh, 10 to 15 seconds. Who are you? Where you come from? All that good stuff. Giver. Hey, uh, Corey McGregor uh, from Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Uh, background is a first responder police officer for, uh, I come into my 18th year. Um, father to uh, young daughters and uh, motivated to make myself better every day. Bam. I like it. Nick, what about yourself? That's a hard issue to follow. Uh, Nick Ige, born and raised here in Hawaii, was in the American Army for about 10 or 10 years. A lot of that time spent with Second Range Battalion. Currently a junior at Harvard College studying neuroscience. Uh, the goal is to bring validity and to destigmatize non-standard forms of therapy. Bam. This, this Harvard place sounds familiar. I, yeah. Low end school, just kind of yeah. like community college kind of thing. Havarti. We met Havarti, the College of Cheese. Right, right. <laughs> of course. That's what yeah. it is. That's what it is. Okay, cool. Uh, well, looking forward to the conversation. This is going to be good. Taking, let's get into this right away. Taking action. Here we go. What, is it, what does that even mean? So I have a little bit of definition. It says, to take action is an idiom that means to do something, to get involved, to act in order to get a particular result. I.e., if you want to get into a good university, you can't just sit around. You have to take action, study hard, do all your work, etc. If you want something done, you have to get, you have to actually physically do the work. Um, and if you're going to take action in the community, usually starts with yourself. So when I state or talk about taking action, what are your first thoughts, Nick? I'm going to throw you on the fire. Yeah, um, it says it's almost a little cheesy. Um, it's I have that standard kind of tattoo of here I am, send me Isaiah six eight, and the Lord said, who shall I, who shall who shall I send? Who will go? Who who shall I send to defend my people? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And like in, in standard young ranger fashion, I kind of get ridiculous tattoos, and it's right across my stomach. And the idea of like taking action, I think, translates to the idea of being like a man of action. And in, in those instances, it's like in these times of trial and these, these hardships, like be the one to go, be the one to volunteer and do the thing, whether you know what you're doing or not. Um, it's kind of that old John Wayne quote. It's like courage isn't, isn't the absence of fear. Courage is doing the thing all like while being scared. Um, so like to me, the idea of taking action is like, just do the thing, just go, just leap, trust in yourself and just see what happens on the way in. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, there's an old Vine and YouTube clip of this guy, I'm pretty sure he's Canadian, in all denim, and he's like riding the snowmobile and he's sending it off a jump. And he's like, I'm still gonna send it live. EC's a little busted up, but we're still gonna send it. Um, that's like, I feel like the modern the modern version of taking actions. Like, even if things are busted up, even if you don't know what's gonna happen, even if you don't know how you're gonna land, um, just send it, just go. Just just get in there, figure it out when you're in there, and you know, just do the thing. Um, I love it, send it. 
send it. That's a great line. <laughs> Corey, what are you thinking? Uh, pretty much echo what Nick said there. I don't know <laughs> if I can say it much better than that, but uh, especially with the denim comment. Um, <laughs> but I think that we find, uh, especially in, in this day and age, that we're more observers than, than doers. And uh, especially when it comes to things that we want, we, we sit back, we look at things, we try to figure things out, what's the best thing of doing, when really, honestly, if we just started when we were thinking about it, we'd already be halfway done. We'd be one of those people that we'd be looking for advice to on the internet or talking to people because we're the actual ones doing it. So, Could not agree more. Sean, first thoughts? Well, my first thoughts are always based on what the guests have to say. And my first thoughts are this. Um, taking action is obviously action-based or uh, putting out uh, effort, putting out results. But I think that sometimes it goes a little bit wrong um, in the sense of, I think, first of all, you've got to sit down and categorize yourself as a man of action. Tier one operators, generally speaking, like to think of themselves as action men or that's what I used to think, uh, I'm an action man. And so it sounds a bit cheesy as Nick said, but uh, you know, when I was growing up as a young kid in England and then moving over to Canada, action man, it was, it, it was a character and I thought it was pretty cool and I wanted to get me some of that. And so what I told myself was I'm a man of action, I'm an action man. And so I think maybe first things first, you've kind of got to sit down with yourself and categorize yourself as an, action man before you start taking action i think you can bumble your way into action i think you can action 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 and then eventually realize that you're a man of action uh, but i think if you start up with truly sitting down with yourself and calling yourself i'm gonna get me some action because i'm an action man it's not a bad way to start hmm, that is a great way to start nick i'm gonna come back to you what do you think on that yeah, when, when you when Sarah talked about that, what it reminded me of is back when I was a ranger, we used to do this thing every training set called TSTs, time-sensitive targets. And it normally would start with what we call like a jump and hump. So you'd, you'd jump in, we'd walk, we do some kind of assault on a, this is all training, on a training compound. And while we're there, we'd get a fragment mission immediately. Like, hey, we got a thing, we got to move now, time on targets in an hour and a half, load up the gear, every top off mags, hop in the bird, we'll plan on the bird. And it's hectic, it's frantic, and then you just become like action. So it's just action, action, action. And it's the idea is like you don't just jump into the bird and go assault a random target without planning it out. Like, like Sean says, there, there does need to be some planning. So we have repiles in the bird. We hop on as we're flying. We pull out the map. We pull out our whatever we need. And then we start planning there and come up with an 80% solution. And that's involved with the action. You know, like I think the idea of kind of Sean's things like the action man thing is like, yeah, go out, take the action, do the thing. You can bump your way through the action, but a lot like part of doing the action, part of sending it live or what have you is through that. You have to be very intentional and very actionable about setting the plan. You can't just like jump in and start swinging. Like as you jump in, you're like, okay, like who am I fighting? What am I fighting? What should my plan of attack be as we're doing the action? I, I feel like I kind of made it 100% just start swinging um, where you should probably take a slight assessment, the 80% solution while you're swinging. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking to myself how how hilarious that would be for a any any military unit to just sure let's go <laughs> with no thought, no planning, just yeah, let's go. That'll be fine. Corey, you got any uh, additional thoughts? A little bit uh, to touch base on what Nick was saying. It might sound a little counter to what he was saying, but uh, one of the things that we find is when we get new recruits, uh, new people in on in, in the field. 
is the biggest step that we have between being a Joe Citizen and, and somebody who's supposed to take action is actually taking action. So you'll see them standing there not sure what to do. They know what they're supposed to do, but they're not doing it. And it's like, look, at the end of the day, I don't care if you make uh, not a bad decision, but I, I don't care if it's not the 100% correct decision, but take action, jump in, do something. Don't stand there and observe. That's not your job anymore. You need to be involved. And if you're doing that, then you can learn, adapt, and overcome as you're doing it. But you need to step up. You need to take action. And we don't always have the ability to plan everything out when stuff is going wrong. But don't sit there waiting for the best opportunity to do something. Just take action, do something, and figure it out as you go. I like it. Sean, any additional points? Just uh, to play off of what Nick was saying, uh, I've I kind of am putting myself not in his shoes, but in my shoes in that plane, uh, coming up with a plan. And one of the great things about when you're in that moment, when you're in the chaos, but planning within the chaos for the near future chaos, I kind of dig it, man, because it gets you wired, it gets you primed, it gets you in the game. And I like that. So, you know, when the when everything's going a little crazy and somebody's handing you a vomit bag as you're giving your orders, man, it's game on. And I like that, man. And and so I think that maybe that's what's missing a little bit in society nowadays is um, that idea that I'm a man of action and I'm getting primed for my action by either being surrounded by my friends or by my companions or by my bro-emos or by my girl or whatever the case is. Stepping into that intermediary phase of I'm an action man, I'm priming for the action and here comes the action. It's that middle ground that is sometimes missing in society. So that's just what was bubbling through my head. Now I'm wondering if there's a if there's a point where that bias for action can get you in trouble. That so my my thought is we've all seen the movies and we've all seen the you know the trope of the the new soldier that shows up as a replacement and is all like a, I want to get some action. Let's go get it. Yeah. And then they immediately either get themselves killed or get somebody else killed <laughs> because they're, they don't have the experience to draw from in order to make this a, in order to make it an effective uh, use of that action itself. So I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts on where the, is there a line there where, you know, taking just maybe random action, it just won't help the situation or if it'll, if there is a line there at all, Nick, I'm going to come back to you. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with the idea that there's a line. Um, what it, what, like, just what it makes you think of, like, off the top of my head, um, in, in the idea of like not trying to steal my own farts or anything like that. Back in 2017, I got nominated for what's called the Soldier's Medal. It's like the highest non-valorous award you can get, or it's the highest valorous award you can get in a non-combat environment. And I was driving with my ex at the time. We're on our way to go get some chicken wings. Uh, I went salmon fishing that morning, so I wanted to take these salmon over to my parents' house. My mom was going to make, like, sashimi and sushi and do some major stuff with it. So I was like, hey, I'm hungry. Let's go get some chicken wings. On the way there, I was just like, hey, babe, do you think that there's, like, a bunch of smoke there? Do you think there's a fire? And I was like, ah, nah, it's fine. It's probably somebody just burning trash or something. We come around the corner of the Safeway, and there's, like, this house on fire. I was like, oh, my God. So I parked the truck, jumped out, ran over. Ran to the doors like, hey, anybody in there? Like, yeah, 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 we're in here. Help, help, help. Boot the door, run in to help get some people, get them out, get my chicken wings, went to my parents' house, right? When we and then I had to give a police report. So, you know, like like all like news doesn't get better at time. So Monday comes around, 
I let my platoon daddy know, like, hey, just so you know, this is what happened. I gave him police report. Everything's, everything's fine. Well, they, they ended up wanting to give me a soldier's medal for it. And I just pretty much just like, threw the paperwork away. And the idea is, like, you don't, you don't get awards for doing your job, right? But at that time of my career, I was a sergeant in the, in the 75th Range Regiment. I was a leader in a special operations capacity. So it's like I wouldn't have been able to do that or, or been in that position of like, hey, let me go run in there and do this stuff and let me just act randomly, kick open a door, help people out of house fire and eat chicken wings and go on with my life if I wasn't at that level already. If I was like a brand new E1, E2, like I probably would just gotten myself killed and everybody else in there killed. I wouldn't have had the history, the skill sets, the, the knowledge base of experience to just stay calm, cool, collected in that situation and actively go around there and, and be of help. So I, I definitely think there's a line like you know, there's there's a there's a line in the idea of like if you are a new guy, you might just get in the way. You actually might get people killed. But like the positive intent is always there. And when you when you translate into society, I think while they may not have the skill for it or they may not have the knowledge base for it, as long as the intent is there, then they can begin to get that knowledge base and they can they can start small and then build their way up to to getting where they need to be, where it just becomes action with experience. I like that. Nothing quite says ranger like I'm gonna go help someone out of a fire and then eat chicken wings. That, <laughs> that's fantastic, Corey. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, the uh, the action tempered with experience uh, to eliminate hesitation, I think, is probably the biggest thing. Act within your scope and your means, but um, don't wait for somebody else with a higher level of scope and means to step in before you do. I like it. I like it, Sean. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the movies, they do portray that caricature, but I think where they kind of get it wrong is um, whenever there's deployment or when, whenever there's, you know, a fire in front of you, uh, generally speaking, there's usually someone next to you. And that someone next to you is probably being in the game a little bit longer. And even if they haven't been, even if they're only two weeks in themselves, well, between the two of you, now you've got four weeks of common sense. And so I think that, um, you know, the movies portray a outlier situation, whereas in reality, I believe that uh, whenever these kind of things start unfolding in front of us, there's always going to be someone there to help you get squared away or between the two or three or ten of you, you're going to get it all squared away uh, by putting your heads together and, and uh, maximizing what limited or, or major talents that you've got to get the job done. So whether it's in the military or whether it's out on uh, the civilian street or out in the civilian population, I feel that um, it's rare that a lone wolf superhero jumps in and, and kicks that door in and gets things sorted out. Usually it's uh, a couple of neighbors running over uh, to see what all the screaming is about and maybe two or three guys and or two or three girls jump in and kind of sort the situation out. Uh, so I think that it's a bit of an outlier situation in the movies, uh, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I, I want to take this in a, a bit of an interesting direction here. Um, I've heard this before, and I've heard it through uh, many things that require action within a system. And not only the military, but I've heard it from uh, all kinds of people was, and I'm going to quote this, I'm not in a position to change anything. And so I've had friends of mine who've complained about said system or said organization or whatever it was and say, well, and I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing to change it? And they said, well, I'm not in a position to change anything. So I just like, there's nothing I can do. And I 
never really believed that 100% of the time. <laughs> when I was younger, definitely. It was an easy excuse kind of out. You could very easily just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a private. What am I going to do to change anything, right? But I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts on are on when, say, the system is set up a certain way and you want change, is there a point where you're not in a position to change things? Or is it a case of maybe you don't have enough experience to understand why the system is or et cetera, et cetera? Corey, I'm going to start with you. What do you think the, what are your thoughts on being in a position to change things? Oh, yeah. I think that no matter where you are within that system, you have the ability to affect that system. Now, I think the difference is, is how visible it is. So you take 20 grunts and they're all working towards a goal. They're probably going to accomplish that goal. Now, could one grunt do that goal on their own? Probably not. Take somebody in a position of authority or power above them. They're probably going to have an easier time and they won't need 20 of them to get it done. But you're going to have an ability to affect change if you want you're coordinated and you're clear as to what that change is. I like that. Nick, any thoughts? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, where my head went initially in the idea of like one person you, you feel kind of stuck is you can always change yourself. You can always work on personal self-development and then through being that like individual beacon, kind of that guy, like, you know, you're all brand new kids. You're all E1s, E2s. You're all just bold and scared. Um, by being that guy that works on himself, builds some character, works on his personal development, kind of changes himself internally where he may not have a lot of change down there at the bottom. He begins to like be a beacon of change to those around him. You know, I've, I've seen it as an E6, I'll get a batch of brand new privates and you see one kid who's like definitely stands out different. And then through him constantly striving to be better and changing himself, he starts to change the tone of those around him. And then that in itself will begin to change organization in, in the bottom up type of examples. I like that a lot, Sean. Thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are that uh, for sure, no one's ever going to change anything if they've never been told that they can change things. And so maybe, you know, as young bucks, when we first, when I first got in, no one reinforced to me the idea that irrespective of how many days you've been in the military, you can still kick ass. Like I was being taught to kick ass but no one was telling me that I was capable of kicking ass. Does that make sense? The weird sort of middle ground be between I'm being taught to do it, but no one is telling me that I'm capable of doing it. Like right now on day one, day 10, day 1000, day 1000, you know you can because you've learned it through experience because your outcomes demonstrate to you, to yourself that you are able to create change. But in the early days, no one sits you down, holds your hand and says, you know what, you're gonna be an agent of change by the end of this week. And because it's a bit of a weird conversation, maybe it's a little bit too uh, kumbaya, but I think that that's basically what most people need to hear is that irrespective of who you are, whatever, socioeconomic strata, whatever education, whatever age, whatever background, whatever you want in your future, I think that everyone needs to hear it more than once that you're more capable than you think of creating change. Mm, I like that a lot. Now, 
Corey, you got any additional thoughts on this? Or I have another realm to go to, but I want to hit you up again. Yeah, no, just just to touch a little bit more further on what Sean was saying. You don't have to be the bonfire, but you can be the spark. Ooh, nice. I like that a lot. <laughs> Nick, you got any uh, additional thoughts on that? I don't, I don't got anything to beat that, man. That, that belongs on a T-shirt. That was, was lying, right? Yeah. It should be on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I used to next and that. Hop in the next one after that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so my, I guess my thought on this is like, do you think it just has the ability? Uh, do you think it is about the understanding of patience in in general? So like, if if I want to take action within a system and I want things to change ideally i want them to change right away but that's a rarity like that may not happen so i'm wondering do you think that it, if it's a if it's a question of learning how to be patient within those situations within um developing like yeah i'm gonna i'm here to kick ass but it might take a year or it might take two or 10 or 15 but i'm just i'm gonna make little adjustments or do you think that even uh, even early on in someone's career that they have the ability to make large-scale changes quickly Corey, i'm going to come back to you what do you think i think so i think the issue that we have when we're new is any thought that i have somebody else has already thought it so there's no point in me bringing it up or um it's stupid what I want, you know, something in an, in an organization such as mine, uh, uniforms are always an issue, you know, is there a way of doing it better? We don't like what we have. Um, and I say, oh, I don't like the way this, uh, this shirt feels. Well, maybe literally everybody else in the organization feels the same way, but nobody's spoken up about it. And maybe it just takes one person to say something and it's a small thing for you, uh, but ends up being a big thing for everybody else. But then the situation is, is, is while that might be your initial thought on, on how you want something to change, when you get involved in it, you see there's more to it. And it's specific to, is it a short-term change? Is it something that you just want for yourself? Or is it a long-term change that's going to affect a lot of other people? There might be logistics there that you're not aware of until you get involved in trying to make that change. So be patient when you get there. But understand that the, the need for change is something that happens very quickly tempered with patience afterwards in order to make it long standing. Absolutely. Nick thoughts. Yeah. I, I wish I had that when I was, when I was new, um, I, <laughs> it, I laugh. It's like the idea of patience probably didn't settle into my late twenties, like 27, 28 uh, until now. Um, that, that's one of those virtues I really wish I'd thought about when I was younger in the military, my, my early career of trying to enact change. Um, and that probably would have, done a lot better to my career. I was very much in to what we were talking about earlier, like the action man. I just wanted to do things now. I didn't understand back then that there's like, hey, there's a presence of things and you can't always act everything right now. You might have to delay, put it off a little bit. You might have to develop these other things so that you can act that change. Um, kind of what Sean was saying before, like if I was told younger that like, hey, you can make a change. If someone in my earlier career was like, hey man, be patient, be patient. And then you can make these other things happen. Um, probably would have made my life a lot easier <laughs> in the long run, you know, what I learned a lot more lessons um, and not exactly the hard way of smashing my face into a wall. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. I would, if anybody on here is younger, I very much encourage you to develop that. <laughs> I, I would also say don't run into a wall <laughs> just as a thought. I mean, if you want to try it, by all means, go for it. But Sean, you got any uh, thoughts on this? 
Uh, no, I think that, uh, I, well, yeah, I do. But I, first of all, I just want to say that I was Nick, I guess, because uh, that's how I kind of ran my program as well. And I wish someone would have sat me down and, and explained to me the value of patience. Uh, but I was eager. I was a keener. I wanted to get her done right now. I wanted to get her done yesterday. And so I, I had a certain velocity. I've always had a certain velocity. Uh, and, and maybe when I was young, someone could have helped me shape that velocity in a way that would have brought out some more positive changes for the system. Uh, but I think that um, I'm going to throw something at you guys just as a general, um, not a theoretical model, but perhaps a concept. And so I think that as young bucks or maybe in our first year, uh, we, are, we all tend to be eager. That's, that's generally the way it goes. And we're eager to create change within ourselves. We're eager to get bigger, better, faster, stronger. We want the system to keep up to us, even though we're not keeping up to the system. And so I think that there's ways to create change at any level that you're in, one year, two year, 10 year, 20 year, whatever the case is, uh, raw recruit all the way through to tier one special operations. I think that there's ways to create change at all of those levels that are actual agents of change that are, are actually notable at that level. But as a tier one operator, when you look down at the raw recruit who's thinking of He's just designed a new way to polish boots and he's an agent of change. Well, in his mind, he is or she is. And they're kind of making a little bit of change within their section or within their basic uh, training uh, recruit platoon. Uh, so you're, you are making change, just not at a tier one level. And so I think the levels to the game have all the opportunities of creating various forms of change that are notable for you in the particular point in your either career or in your life trajectory that can be notable, not just for yourself, but those around you. And so I think you can make change if you observe the level that you're at and have patience or, ha or have satisfaction that, you know, your new way of polishing boots is helping your platoon. And that's cool enough for now, because by doing that, by realizing that those those big changes on how to polish a boot are helping your pals. Well, now you're learning how to play the game right. And as you bump up through the levels or bump up through experience over a timeline, once you start figuring out how to be an agent of change at the appropriate level within your peer group, plus or minus, well, now, you, now you're figuring it out. Now you're figuring out how to do it well. And so, you know, understand the level that you're at. Understand that you can make change at that level. Just don't try to do it at the wrong level, I suppose. That is a very good point, Corey. Any thoughts? Uh, change for the sake of change isn't always necessarily good. So if you're uh, interested, you're eager, and you want to make a change, and you see something that you think is uh, needed, make sure after you've been allowed to make that change, hopefully you have supervisors or people above you that are going to let you make that uh that change or at least attempt it that you do that after action report you run it through and and don't get too attached to a particular type of change just because you spent a long time making it if it doesn't work it doesn't work um, run it back through see what worked see what didn't discard what didn't and continue on but don't just make change for change and then look around at everybody and say see look at the look at the action that i'm taking i love that nick you got any thoughts yeah, the don't make change for change. I wish some uh, some of my officer corps knew that or heard that beforehand. Um, but to to what Sean was saying, I really like the idea of like um, 
understanding where you're at and making change at your level. I, I think that's a very important thing. I mean, I'm sure we've all kind of seen it before, uh, or at, at least in my old organization, sometimes the sergeant major or the commander, the battalion commander would kind of have the open to troops and kind of let everybody voice their opinion. Right? It, it's, it is quasi-political stunt in the idea that he just wants to say like, yeah, I'm open. I have an open door policy and everybody, sorry, that's a radiator. I live in New England. It's just the radiator thing. I don't, you can't do anything. <laughs> I've, I've tried so many times. Sometimes it just decides to be a monster in the middle of the night or in the middle of the podcast. Um, I apologize. All good. That's yeah. awesome. But yeah, so like when when the when the commands are major, battalion commanders doing something like that, like you know, if you're a brand new private, you shouldn't be like, "Hey, sir, I think the way or you know whatever mass level battalion level tactics needs needs to change." But at the same time, like good ideas and innovation does come from the bottom because at the end of the day, like the dude at the top probably isn't in there in, in the, in the trenches, in the shit, what have you um, dealing with the everyday minutia. So it's like this, I, I find it a very interesting, this, this idea of like, no, know where your level is, no, know, know where your sphere of influence is and kind of work to stay within that and change what you can in there. Um, and don't try and affect the things greater or larger than you. But at the same time, like, you know, as where I was in the military at times, like I would, be so far removed certain things certain taskings that and i was stuck in the old way of like this is how we do it this is how it's always been done this is how you always will do it whereas a kid who's smarter than that a kid who's a degree from a degree of mechanical engineering from michigan state and he would always be like hey man i don't i don't think this is a great idea and in the beginning i was like f you you're a private dude just shut up and do what you're told to then it became like oh oh you're actually like very intelligent and have a degree in mechanical engineering maybe i should maybe just stop smoking and pay attention to what you're actually saying here and it made all of our lives easier, you know, like whether, whether it been kit loadouts or, or whatever we're doing. And it's just very interesting. Like, like, I guess if you're going to voice your opinion, you should probably soundboard against your buddies first. <laughs> that is a great, great thought. I a hundred percent agree. Uh, we got this comment in salty drink jumped in here morning. All good to see you. And he says, people need to mentor the idea that solutions can come from anywhere. Just as to what you're saying. Uh, and that the best solutions come from guys doing the job at the time. We mistake individual and team changes for the benefits uh, that they can have for an organization, but we also need to promote the freedom for members of organizations to provide those solutions in a matter that isn't met with apathy. And to that point, there was a uh, there was a PER point, uh, like a evaluation point, uh, when I was in the military, that for leading change, and that usually meant you got that that tick in the box for like creating a new way to do PT or changing the timing or like it became uh, it, like almost a puff piece of just like you did something cool leading change check good to go versus actually leading change <laughs> instead of like uh, taking the time to listen to the people on the ground uh, yeah Sean you got any thoughts at all on anything so far Yeah, I do. And so I think the Salty Jinx raises a good point. And uh, that is that can be a frustrating, it was frustrating for me. It can be a frustrating thing, irrespective of what level you're at, if you're an out-of-the-box thinker, which I had a bit of a reputation for. And so uh, when things aren't, when, when people aren't picking up what I'm putting down, sometimes it devalues your um, sense of not just who you are, but your sense of worth as in regards to your ideas and so it can start kind of not crippling your uh desire to think outside of the box but it can kind of slow your roll a little bit 
And uh, in my opinion, anyone who's an out-of-the-box thinker is my best friend all of a sudden. And I am pouring gasoline on that fire because some of the best ideas I've ever seen uh, have come from people who have surprised me by their out-of-the-box thinking. And, and I mean, to improve a system that is somewhat static to some degree, you really need to come at it through a variety of different angular velocity trajectories, slow and fast, from a 360. And um, I've always appreciated out-of-the-box thinkers, but what I haven't appreciated is the pushback against out-of-the-box thinking. So I'm not sure what you guys, uh, what you have uh, to say on that. Nick, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, no, I mean, I, as someone who used to do a lot of pushback on out-of-the-box out of thinking, um, it's, I don't want to say I've had like an awakening or revolution in my life, but where, where I stand on that these days is I like to say I'm a collector of weirdos. Um, and the idea that no normal person has ever changed the world. It's the weirdo. It's the dude who's just like, looks around, like, I don't know, man, I think it's all kind of stupid. Like, why don't we try it this way? Right. Or, or the guy who's willing to kind of look stupid to do, to do the thing in the way that he sees fit. Um, and, you know, in my own in my own personal life, especially being here at, at school at Harvard, it's there's a lot of weirdos, man. And they're not always like my cup of tea of weirdos. But but I think it's the idea that if I had paid a little more attention um, and, and this is something that I struggle with personally in my in my own life is like the idea of that, that out of the box thought that kind of comes up, like the self-censoring. You know, sometimes you'd be doing something, you hear something, and you're like, you have this little twinge of an idea pop up. And that's the out of the box, the creative, the like, oh, this is what I would do if I couldn't pay attention to it. And then you, I normally would like used to stifle that down. Just like, no, dude, like, hey, we're trying to fit a box or we're trying to fit a mold. We're trying to, we're trying to be, you know, the square in the square pig. Um, whereas nowadays in, in, you know, the current life and the current situation I'm in, I find that the out of box thinking is, is what's, what's allowing me to succeed. And then when I, Go out of my way to collect the weirdos and find these weirdos i'm like dude i like the i like your weird dude that's super interesting um it's been nothing but a plus to my life i've been able to go on these fun adventures and, and look and change my perspectives in these very interesting ways uh, I, I just think like the out of the box thinking is good and i think a lot of people should spend their time trying to like surround themselves by people or, or at least bring those people bring some of those people into their sphere and challenge yourself with be like hey man if i didn't think it was weird what would i do or how would i think just kind of let it ride. That brings up a really excellent point. Uh, <laughs> basically, that's what the collective is. <laughs> we gotta surround ourselves with weird people. I like it. Corey, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, touch a little bit further on what Nick was saying there. Uh, as a supervisor or somebody who's in a position of, um, uh, of authority or, or, or has people reporting to them, I've found that the out-of-the-box thinker or the somebody who comes up uh, – uh, and says, hey, uh, I noticed uh, there's probably a better way of doing this, or I think that uh, we should probably look at doing it this way. I know as a supervisor, sort of that first initial gut feeling is, no, you want to change this? No, it's working well for me. This is comfortable. Like, uh, we've looked at it. It's all good. And that's a horrible way of thinking just because it makes you uh, uncomfortable or because things are going well right now. It doesn't mean they can't be better. So just because you're entertaining what this person has to say or even uh, empowering them to try something out, like we're not changing it exactly without any experience of, of running it through your system, but I'm going to let you uh, have some leeway. I'm going to let you um, experiment and try it and see if it's better. If it's better, we'll adopt it. If it's not, then we won't. But don't immediately think just because it works for you, it's going to work for everybody below you. 
That is a very good point. I One of the things that I've struggled with through most of my life is that uh, I find things that work and that I'm good with that. <laughs> like I, there's no, there, there, I have not for a very long time uh, had the ability to continually grow upon that. Once that, once I find something that is effective, cool. It's like out of my mind, I can put it as a, uh, uh, as a task that is just going to run on its own. This thing works. Don't need to, t don't need to look at it. Don't need to make it better. Don't need to engage it. It's good to go. But I think what we're trying to get at right now, at least, is that we should continually seek that. Or do you, do you guys think that there is a, again, do you think there's a point where you, you know, I wouldn't say stop thinking about it, but that it's become an autonomous system within your own head, like this works, I don't need to change it. Uh, or do you think that there is, uh, there should be a continual evolution within those processes? Sean, I'm going to start with you on this one, what do you think? Sure, I'm going to get to that in a sec. I just want to uh, check the box off on something that Nick said that uh, maybe when he was a, a young man, he had more of a, not a, I'm not going to say a rigid mindset because I'm sure he had a growth mindset, but he probably had a more structured uh, approach to things where it was that square block in the square hole and that's the way it's done. That's the way it's always been done. That's the way it always will be done. It's not a bad thing. If you can use it as an opportunity to contextualize against out-of-the-box thinking. So if you can see your left of arc and then see your right of arc, now you've got a huge bandwidth to play with. That rigid approach versus that out-of-the-box out thinking approach, now you've got a lot of battle space to play with. Mental battle space, emotional battle space, physical battle space, solution battle space. So I appreciate uh, the fact that someone was in one direction and then moves to another direction now they've got a wide arc to play with. So it's never a bad thing if you kind of came up in the system that was quite rigid. Now you can go in the opposite direction and start playing like a freak. Well, now you've got a massive uh, Rubik's Cube that you get to play with on the regular and see what kind of solutions you come up with. So uh, the second thing is um, I think that when when we're – when we're, if we're an out-of-the-box thinker, if I'm an out-of-the-box thinker, and that's all I like to do, and how I typically approach things is I'll find a problem or I'll, 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 I'll create something, and then I'll make it effective and efficient enough that then I'll automate it into a subroutine autonomously that I don't have to concern myself with. It'll just do it while I'm working on the next iteration. And so it's it's not a bad thing to kind of lock into a program, think that works well for me, offload it into autonomy, and then get to work on the next iteration, which is bigger, better, faster, stronger. I'm a relentless pursuer of excellence. That means I'm always trying to level up in every freaking thing I do, how I drink water, how I make coffee, how I throw a ball, how I look at this, how I do that. It's not that I can't help myself. It's that my my main program that I operate under is relentless pursuit of excellence. And it's not a bad thing if, as I create solutions, I offload them knowing that they work and then get to work on the next iteration that works better. And so, you know, there's many ways to skin a cat. Uh, and, and I suppose a, a person can figure out how to do something I, I consider as reasonably well, 
and then lock it in like it that's the best solution in the world and that's always going to work for them and i respect it but i think of that and i'm going to say it i'll regret it as well i think of that as mediocrity because if your solution works how will you ever know if you can do it better how how will you ever know if you can teach it better if you don't pursue the edges where you're either going to burn yourself or you're going to fail or you'll you'll shrug your shoulders and it'd be regretful that you pushed a little bit harder a little bit faster i think you've got to bump into the edges realize where they are form a solution lock it in autonomize it and then get to work on what's beyond the horizon as it were i like that a lot nick thoughts i really like the idea of bumping in the edges um I always make the joke. It's like somehow I, I just continually fell upwards. Um, it's like if you don't bump in the edges, you, you never figure it out. I feel like if – yeah, sorry. I just got wrapped around the idea of bumping around the edges and just kind of – it makes me happy to hear. Um, and the idea is like if you're not – if you're not – I don't I don't, know, I don't want to use the word um, – if you're not continuously messing up, if you're not continuously trying to figure it out and push it left and right and see what's going on and auto-correcting and doing this pathway where it's not always linear, but you're just kind of zigzagging all over the place. Like, all right, this didn't work. Let's see what this. Oh, that didn't work. Let's see what this. That didn't work. In my own personal opinion, in my own personal experiences, like that's where I, I didn't grow anymore. I found that I would just get stuck in a singular track. And then once I just like, all right, that's the way I do it. We're just gonna let that fire forget and do the thing. Um, I, I, very rarely began to push into the next boundary and very rarely began to and push myself forward. Um, in, in like the most cheesy way, there's a quote that I keep on my desk. It's there are only two mistakes one can make along the road to truth, not going all the way and not starting. And the idea is like, once you kind of develop that road to pursue excellence or, or, or just to, to get outside of mediocrity from there, it's like the only thing you can do to really mess up is not finish. So then from there, it's just like anything you do within that space, is progress and you know bouncing around making mistakes and going from side to side hitting those rails I, th I think is is a key for progress absolutely Corey thoughts I think that uh, touching base on mediocrity and, and and pushing to the edges don't get caught up um, supporting a decision that's a popular one the popular one isn't always the best solution just because a lot of people come to that conclusion um, often it'll be the comfortable solution that they'll come to. It's it's not the one that pushes the edges because pushing the edges is uncomfortable. It's it's not something because it could fail. The popular decision, the one that's straight down the middle, generally has the most amount of side to side ability to screw up. You know, it goes a little bit off this way, we can bring it back. It goes a little bit off this way, we can bring it back. But the ones on the edges, the ones that maybe aren't as popular, really don't always have that huge bumper. Uh, of uh, ability to fail and recover, but they're not necessarily going to be the worst. They might be the best. So be aware that just because the popular decision is out there and, and everybody supports it, you may need to go with that arc or the edge. And in ultimately that's the best for everybody. Mm, I like that. Sean, you got any additional thoughts? I got, I got a comment here I want to hit on, but Anything else? Dude, just just real quick, uh, I think that the other piece to this um, that I'm sure we're all uh, aware of, and, and it's kind of come up uh, to some degree, uh, as Nick was stating, you know, find yourself some freaks. Get on the freak train, baby. Get the freak team going. Because, you know, if you're kind of if you're kind of pushing the edge 
<laughs> you're sizzling on the uh, getting frazzled out there on the edge of the event horizon uh well guess what you've probably got a freak next to you who's going to pull you back and say bro you're frazzling a bit let me frazzle for a little bit get yourself a freak crew and go out and kick that ass and and amongst the freaks you'll you'll come up with a solution that's right for the moment in fact you'll come up with not just the solution that's right for the moment you come up with the solution that's right for the future mm, i like that a lot any, any other thought Corey or nick any other thoughts on this before i jump into a comment yeah i just, I just couldn't agree more I, I'm, I'm with it I, was, I did a thing this last summer where i try to double through hike the grand canyon so one way it's 25 coming back is 50 and normally people break it up into two to three day hike um I didn't want to pay $120 for the shuttle back. So I was like, what do I run ultra marathons for if I can't just bang out a 50 mile ruck? So I just sent it live and it ended up being like a lot, a lot. It's 27 hours of straight movement, 45 hours a week. But along the way, I met this other dude and he was like, you know, I, I look like me, kind of stocky. I look like this. I met a dude who does not look like this. He was kind of long hair, rocker, kind of a music looking fella. Um, and, you know, standard military kind of stuff. I had all my gear nice and tight. And I was like, oh, I'm marching. I'm doing my thing. This guy was gear everywhere like non-standard stuff just didn't fit the part or we didn't look like we jive and at this point i'm like 20 or i'm i'm already in the next period of darkness and I, there's this dude behind me walking the same direction and i looked at him i was like hey what's up dude like what are you doing and he's like oh man i'm doing a through hike and i was like oh rim to rim he's like no rim to rim to rim literally i know it as i've been doing my hike thinking i was the only crazy dude doing this alone there's another psychopath about like five miles behind me and we've been trailing each other and then on the way back we ended up linking up in weirdo like he's a weirdo i'm a weirdo and we ended up becoming buds and then to what you're talking about the event horizon the sizzling on the edge as we're ascending back up the north wall it's already into the next period of darkness we're both fried out zombies walking along the thing and we're like falling asleep as we're trying to ascend up the grand canyon wall and there's, there's no guardrails and he's just like he just stops he's like all right dude we're falling asleep like i don't want to fall to my death what do we do and i was like easy man We'll just grab each other's packs and I'll keep my hand on the wall. And as, my, as like, if I start falling asleep and fall off the wall, well, then you'll feel me pulling you off and you just wake up. And then we, we just kind of keep doing that. He's like, good enough for me, bro. <laughs> and he just sent it live. And it's like, you know, when you're on the edge, like, it's just like, it's, it's always refreshing to, to find your other crazy, to find your other weirdo. Another dude who's just like, Hey man, we're going to send it to the edge. Let's just see what happens. And it doesn't always look like the dude you'd expect. And nor is it oftentimes the person you expect. It's oftentimes, a dude who looks completely different from you, who acts different, completely different contextualized background. And he's just also like, hey, man, we're just going to send it live and have a good time, bud. And it, it's just always a breath of fresh air. I truly enjoy those experiences. That's fantastic. Nothing quite like uh, nearly falling to your death to make your life a little spicy. Right? That's, that's a good time. Um, uh, Corey, got any thoughts at all before I jump into this comment? Um, I think it's uh, a situation that if you're uh, always surrounding yourself by dudes that look like you, that have your their pack and their gear like you, you're going to come up with very similar solutions. So find the rocker, find the guy who's uh, not like you and, and listen to some of the stuff that he has to say and you might find a solution that works. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, it kind of goes into this comment too, actually. Salty jumps jumps back and he says, our drive shouldn't be to improve things for us and the team, but to be a service to others in the group and organizations as we find solutions. And I think this is this is key in what we want to talk about um my thoughts were making mistakes is a general fear i think for a lot of people out in the world and and it goes into what you're talking about uh nick with 
falling asleep on the trail and not wanting to fall to your death, that would be a mistake, right? That would be a, <laughs> be a high consequence mistake. Uh, and within the military, within policing, within first responder uh, organizations, if you mistakes made can have major ramifications. But I think that they're also critical in the development of those jobs and doing things better and doing things faster, being stronger, having uh, more capability. When I look at the, you know, the mental health crisis that is uh, going on within North America and Europe, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are just so afraid of making a mistake, they're not willing to push those boundaries a little bit. So I'm wondering what your guys' thoughts are on how do we do that well? How do we push those boundaries, allowing for mistakes, but not, um, but not going so far that you know people are going to get hurt, or you're going to have training accidents, or you know live issues in that regards? Corey, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think? I think uh, making mistakes are, are uh, a requirement. It's something that you should strive for, and and I know that's a little strange, but it's it's not the the end result of making the mistake. It's what did we learn from that mistake? If you're constantly striving to do things, you're never going to do it perfectly. You're always going to make a mistake. What are you learning from? What are you What are you taking from it? Um, the uh, the safety rails, for instance. I mean, sometimes you have to jump over them and you have to do things outside of the safety rails. You're going to make mistakes when you're out there because it's not clear and it's not defined. You're outside the rails, but when you're able to make those mistakes and you're in a, a situation where you feel comfortable making those mistakes and you're supported making those mistakes and you learn from them, you do it early enough on, you start gaining that experience that's really going to help you make bigger decisions. Um, and, and again, I'm not talking about making a, making a mistake for the sake of ignorance or arrogance. Um, it's, it's being brave enough to go, I don't know, let's try it out and see what happens based off of what the knowledge that we have at the time and, and to not walk it back afterwards and go, Oh no, that wasn't a mistake. You can say, yeah, you know what? It was a, it was a large mistake. I'm not going to do that again. Here's why, here's what I've learned. Here's what we implemented to make sure it doesn't happen again. I think it's a requirement. You have to try and make mistakes. Eventually you're going to come across a thing that's perfect and good. I like it. Nick thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I can agree more with Corey. One of the things I really liked what he talked about was the environment. I think the downside of, not I want to say downside, the opposite end of making a mistake, not the right word. Like oftentimes when you make mistakes, you feel stupid. And that that is oftentimes what dudes are scared of, is feeling embarrassed and stupid in front of their friends, in front of their peers. And they don't want to be known as the guy who does the dumb thing, right? Like if you toss a banger into a room and you don't toss your arc right, it bounces back, lands in the hallway, you hit your whole team with a banger. For the rest of the training cycle, you'll be known as that guy, right? Like you're like, hey, 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 Nick, make sure you don't bang your entire team, huh? You know, like every time you do something, right? It's embarrassing. But you, you from that, you learn like, okay, cool. I learned my arc. I learned that I, I did a bad toss, what have you, whatever it might be. But in, in, a, in a lot of other things, and maybe not necessarily like, you know, throwing nine bangers in a room or what have you, like a lot of dudes don't have or don't feel secure enough in their crew of friends and the people that surround them that they can make a mistake, be embarrassed, and then therefore they never actually try and push that boundary. And I, and I think like feeling comfortable or finding an organization or, or changing the personality, I don't know the personality, but, but changing the demeanor or or the environment so that mistakes are made or, or accepted um, is, a, is a really big thing. We, we talk about that a lot in my old career. They'd always push like, make mistakes every training cycle. You're training, this is the time to make mistakes. But you make a mistake and get fired. 
And you're just like, well, do you want me to make mistakes or do you not want me to make mistakes? Because if I'm going to try something new and get fired or everybody's going to rip on me and I no longer hold a position, maybe not fired from the organization, but but fired and moved into a, into a place that I don't want to be in a non-leadership position as an assaulter or what have you. And it's like, you're saying this one thing, but they never actually back their words and allow people to make those mistakes. Um, and I just think it's incredibly cru- crucial. Like even, even here within my friend group at school, we're always pushing each other to try and like mess up, right? Like, Hey dude, let's just see what happens. You know? And we, we want people to fail all the time with our friend group, whether it's, you know, granted, I'm, I'm, I'm the old guy. So I was like, dude, go, just go talk to that chick, dude. Who cares if you crash and burn? Like, you know, going, going to talk to her, like you might actually learn something, you know, uh, versus just never, ever going out and making that leap. I, I just think it's fostering an environment to make mistakes and it be accepted and everybody enjoys that with you and then helps you grow from that. I think it's just beyond crucial. Yeah. hundred percent. Sean thoughts. Yeah. As Nick was saying, you know, I, I've been in that same situation myself where I'm encouraging a buddy, bro, just go over there and have a chat with her. What could go wrong? And you know, it's going to go wrong because your buddy's never talked to a girl before and you're all going to have a bit of fun with it. And that's the key. It's the environment that is set to support the dude a little bit of hassling when he comes back, you know, a little bit of friendly poke and turn it into a game so that he's not so crestfallen that he'll never, ever talk to another girl in his life again. You got to play the game right with your buddies. You got to play the game within the game right. And so I think that there's organizations that don't do it as well as they could. They could do it better. And it's as easy as Nick's uh, scenario of, uh, you know, encouraging your buddy to go screw up with the girl that. You know, you know, it's not going to pan out, but you're all going to have a bit of fun with it. He's going to learn how to do it a little bit better as a group. You're all going to have a little bit of fun with it and learn how to do it better as a group. I think it's really key. The other piece that I'd like to say is, uh, you know, one of the things that we try to do over here at the collective is is kind of call ourselves out on our own nonsense. And so my first 24 hour solo mountain bike race that I ever did, uh, and I've done 30 of them, is uh, I. I, about 12 hours in, I made a critical error listening to a professional, some advice that I shouldn't have accepted uh, just before the race gun went off. I found myself on my hands and knees vomiting so hard that I was moving rocks just like a Monty Python movie. And, uh, you know, back then it was a bummer, man, because I had to do the rest of the race hurling all over the place and it sucked. But now I can look back on it and have a good old laugh at my own expense. But more importantly, it ain't about me. It's about being able to tell the story and have a few laughs along with everyone having a few laughs at my expense, imagining me on my hands and knees hurling. And so uh, no big deal. No one lost an eye. Uh, and and I got to do a boatload more races after the fact and do pretty well. But I think what we've got to do is have uh, the confidence that the group that we hang out in is going to have a little bit of fun with us, but isn't going to hold us so accountable that it's mean spirited and it sucks to fail. And so um, that's what we try to do over here every once in a while is call ourselves out on our own nonsense, just so that the community as a whole knows that, you know, we're all just we're all just dudes being dudes, trying to be good dudes, as it were. That's such a great line. <laughs> dudes being dudes, trying to be good dudes. Uh, it, it To this point, my nickname here, Big Bird, I've had to explain it a, a number of times. Uh, it comes from me jumping out of a plane and trying to fly fly my way back in and I was like flapping my way trying to get back into the plane didn't work luckily the parachute did but the 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 key thing is is that I think at least in my mind 
the the difference we're making here is not so much um, being able to make mistakes, but being uh, being able to experiment, because experimentation is pushing mistakes, right? You're you're just trying things to see if they work. And it's not really a question of if they don't work, it's just continually working or continually experimenting until something does work. And then you keep experimenting from there, right? But and I think that's at least in my mind, what I'm catching from this uh, development is that there is a line between mistakes and experimentation. And I'm wondering if you guys you think that's accurate, you think it's on the line, or if you're, uh, you got any other thoughts on it, Nick, I'm gonna come to you first. What do you think? No, I think I think it's it's pretty much on it. Like, <clears throat> I feel like to to experiment, you have to mistake, you have to make those mistakes. You're gonna fail no matter what. So it's just like, um, really, I'm very fortunate here at the school. I'm part of like a, a startup R and D class, and literally the entire class is just sets you. Not I don't want to say sets you up for failure. It creates a safe environment to fail. All they want you to do is to fail. Just go out there. Hey, you're making a pitch deck. Let's see your pitch deck, and then the whole class will watch your pitch deck. I'm like, yeah, this is this is where you messed up, right? Everything. And it's not just like, hey, you're 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 a dummy. This is where you messed up. The entire thing is is a safety net, a safe environment for you to fail among peers, fail with structure, fail in front of an instructor, so that you can experiment and play with these things. And, and you're not graded on you know, if you fail or not. You're graded on if you tried, and and that's the entire basis of the class. And I, I think to truly experiment, to truly to truly grow, you're going to make those mistakes. And you're going to fail on the path. Absolutely. Corey, thoughts? I think that uh, by never making a mistake and not experimenting, uh, if you do happen to do something right, you're learning very little. Um, when you think about uh, science and talking to Nick and being at school and things like that, the failures are what really teach you. You know, you might learn five things from a failure rather than just one by doing it properly. If you're continually making uh, mistakes because you're experimenting, you're really almost learning at hyperspeed as long as you're taking those lessons from those those failures or those mistakes. I think the really the only true mistake is is inaction and, and doing nothing. I 100% agree, Sean. Thoughts? Yeah, I've said it a number of times in the past uh, on various podcasts. The I, when I was young, I used to uh, pursue wins. I thought the the win outcome was the win, but at some point, I started pursuing failure as the win outcome. And so uh, I love failure, man, because it's the win. And I know there's, you know, um, oh my goodness, Conor McGregor's coach, uh, win or learn, I've forgotten his freaking name. Anyway, he coined the phrase win or learn. I think it's a great phrase. It's it's a bit um, it's a bit too loose for, for me. I'd like to uh, define it a little bit better, but I think that you need to pursue failure, or I do, and I love pursuing failure. I love failing. Uh, it makes me happy. It's almost like a Christmas present nowadays. And maybe that sounds weird, but at 60, I love failing because uh, somehow it pleases me. Uh, whereas when I was young, it did not please me at all. And so maybe everyone who gets comfortable with failure at some point crosses a threshold into actively like getting stoked about failing. So, you know, within Nick's class, maybe uh, everyone's comfortable with failing uh, because the classroom has been set up as such. But does everyone get like freaking stoked when they hammer in? I'm curious. Mm-mm. What do you think? Uh, unfortunately, I think due to the Harvard setting, uh, the stoke, if, if they are, it's internalized a little bit more. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. 
it, it's it's uh i find that i'm a little bit more on the fringes of personality types with how how outwardly expressive i am on things um but you know, to what you're saying Sean, it made me laugh internally to the to the stoke level it, it's my group of friends that i hang out with uh from the military we all we all surf together we all snowboard together a lot of our outdoor and quote-unquote extreme sports we do together and some of the biggest the biggest celebrations we get is when a dude eats it terribly when a dude falls on a mountain oh, yeah when a dude bails on a jump on a snowboard and just absolute yard sales and stuff everywhere that's when you get like the biggest celebration the biggest applause is like everybody's just stoked on it like dude that was wild like absolutely and then you go you you know you pick up your gear like you know when we go surfing like try and make a crazy drop and pull in a barrel and just get like hatchet slapped in the head over the falls everything goes wild and then everybody's like stoked cheering you on and then when you go back again which is even more like oh my god this is wild absolutely you know and it, it creates such a fun environment of like not only are they ecstatic to see you win but they're even more ecstatic to see you fail and try again you know and it just just brings us so much like joy to to the idea of trying to trying to pursue funner things absolutely getting back at getting back at it is such the such a morale builder anytime you see anybody hammer in and then get up and keep going <laughs> that's uh everybody's gonna do well on that one now we are uh just over an hour now first off i really do appreciate appreciate the once my tongue starts to work i appreciate the conversation so nick Corey, really enjoy having here i know Corey, it is first thing in the morning for you so you, all right uh, quick question are you gonna go back to bed or are you good to go for the rest of the day that's the quick question no i think i'm i think i'm up for the day Yes, there we go. Um, so I really do appreciate the conversation. Lots of really good information here for anybody that uh, hasn't been taking action, I think wants to. But let's get some final thoughts on anything at all that we've gone over today. Corey, any final thoughts? Um, back to the whole point about making mistakes. I want to be surrounding myself with people that are making mistakes. And the reason is, it's because if you're making mistakes, you've run into 100% of whatever it is you had, knowledge base, skills, abilities, uh, ambition. You pushed yourself and you failed. And I wanna be surrounded by people that are pushing themselves to 100% of what they can do. When you do something that works and it's always worked for you, you stop when it works. You don't ever go beyond that because you get comfortable. So I wanna surround myself with people that are making mistakes. And I hope that people around me are comfortable uh, making mistakes as well. Bam, just like that. Nick, final thoughts? Yeah, this, this one involves a little cursing, so I apologize. Um, but one of, my, one of my favorite quotes and one of the things I've been trying to live by for the last few years is, give yourself the grace to fuck up, but don't be a bitch. Get back on the horse and you have to ride. Um, and the idea is like, you know, these days you're going to make failure. If, you, if we are pushing as hard as we want to go, if we are trying to push the limits on everything we're trying to do, like you will fail. Like you, you, you have to give yourself the grace to fail and you can't be too hard on yourself. But you can't wallow in that failure and wallow in that grace. Like you do have to get back on that horse and you do have to ride again. You have to keep pushing that limit and, and keep going into the fray. So give yourself the grace to fuck up, but don't be a bitch. Get back on the horse and keep going to work. Um, and since I've been doing that, it's got me into being in amazing place like this and having conversations with you guys and I couldn't be happier. Outstanding. Next time we're gonna we're gonna watch the language though. <laughs> um, Sean, final thoughts? Yeah, so I think that um, maybe to um, clarify my position on this for anyone else out there, I think it's cool to pursue winning. I think it's cool to want to be uh, on the top of the podium. I think it's cool to 
do your best to have your best outcomes and it all shapes itself up into a magical moment a, a fairy tale moment where you're the king of the hill i think it's good i think it's good to experience those things but that's only half of life and if all you're pursuing is 50 percent of life well what about the other 50 percent where if you also pursue failures now you're living a hundred percent life and i really think that that's the richest way to live life is pursuing wins and pursuing failures they're not mutually exclusive you don't have to choose one or the other to be awesome you can do both and uh, be more awesome I, I think to that point they enhance each other i think that's the really key thing is that if you are pursuing failures you your the wins will come in time i think that's uh, one of the things that you taught me sean early on when we started was the fact that uh, if you just continually seek to push your limits every day, then the achievements will happen as a matter of process. It won't even be a, a thought. It just, they'll happen anyway. Um, but yeah, I really do appreciate the conversation. I don't have a whole lot to add other than the fact I would say, learn how to experiment, build upon those experiments and grow every day, which, which you can do with us here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo. Chimo.